Nation. What is going on? Welcome back into another episode of the Buffs Nation podcast, off-season edition. We haven't had a show since December, and a lot's happened. A lot of, a lot has happened within the program of the CU Buffs uh, football team. Some good, a lot of a lot of iffy news out there. So we'll break down. Uh, it's spring ball, so we'll break down some CU bullet points, what to look for. Uh, in the offseason with this team. And look, we are fans here. We love the buffs, so we'll keep things, you know, I think as positive as we can. I guess we'll see. I'm Tyler Walgie. He's Jared all to my left. What's going on, Jared? It's a spring full of optimism. Opportunities mm, are abound, it? okay, for the for the remaining buffs players, okay? There are lots of opportunities for guys to get in starting roles. Lots of opportunities, not a whole lot of players within well, those Well, the number of players... Is, is still what you'd expect on a college oh, roster. R- the number players of players that year. you actually know their names, <laughs> kind of few and far between. I went to the spring uh, scrimmage this this last weekend. and uh, One of the first ones open to the public, Yes, right? yes. Yeah. And thankfully, they were so kind to hand out a roster so that mm. you could actually recognize the guys on the field. Well, a couple transfers coming in who are going to have an impact. Uh, depth is going to be a concern, at least in the – spring and maybe first part of the season for the buffs we'll talk about that like i said some bullet points in the offseason and spring football's upon us uh ticket prices though are not coming down have you renewed for next year already i have okay. and i actually felt like mine and i don't remember what i paid because it was like two years ago when you paid for your last season tickets for those of you who are season ticket holders you remember last year you had the option to just like carry over right. when the in the 2019 season that didn't happen or excuse me 2020 season that didn't happen uh no games or no fans at least in the games so it's been so long i actually thought it was cheaper is it not no Okay, so it's just because everything else in my world has gotten so much more expensive. I mean, that's this seems be like it. a value. We've had our tickets. Also, it's been the same tickets. My my grandpa got them in like the late sixties. I want to say so. Uh, no, 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 taking the price down. They they're gonna make their money apparently. And I mean, I feel like it should be. It should correlate with how good the team's doing. If they're yeah, struggling, right. going through some issues. Do you live in the United States? <laughs> no, no. Lower the prices. It's like. You know, if they can't keep the if they can't keep a coach longer than a month, what was that the the D line coach who went to from USC and then he went to Cal or something like that? Yeah, I'm. Uh, you know, they said there was personal things going on there, so I'm not going to totally roast the guy, but uh, not a good look for the Buffs when you was that Vic DeSoto? Am I right with that name? Yeah, and has I, that happened between? Because we haven't done a show since December. No, so that, that happened yeah, after it the last certainly show. happened since. Because that was one of the guys they brought on. Yeah, at the very end of the year, beginning of 2022, yeah. and it was less than 30 days that well, he was with. The and team. the bad part about that was Carl Durrell came out publicly and said, "Oh no, we 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 don't uh, blame Vic. He had a lot of family stuff going on." wanted to be closer to family it was a family issue and then DeSoto came out publicly and said I don't know what he's talking about it had nothing to do with family I did not want to be in that program I mean that was pretty much what he said so not a great look to start things off uh, but yeah, like I said, I I felt like the ticket prices should have been adjusted accordingly. <laughs> Tyler, I want to set a goal for us on this show this year. And, and actually, not so much oh, for the boy. show. We show up on this show, guys. We're here to be honest with you. We're going to give you our honest opinions. We're not going to sugarcoat things. Last year... The episodes got a little rough a few times, you know? There's <laughs> a few times we had to talk each other off the ledge a little bit. But my goal, Tyler, is to give this team a chance, okay? There's a lot of moves that have happened in the last 
let's say 24 months, last two years, a lot has changed in this organization. And I can't speak for you, but for me, I am skeptical of the direction this program is going right now. But I, I feel like you owe it to, and I owe it to this program that I have followed my entire life to give Carl Durrell and this coaching staff and this team a chance to prove us wrong this year. Well, the honesty, like you mentioned, I think that's why people listen to this show. And by the way, thanks so much for listening, telling your friends. The show's definitely growing a lot. Remember to uh, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. But this season there's a lot more changes than last season. So the skepticism, I think, comes with the roster turnover. And this is maybe going to be the new college football. I'm not so sure. Hopefully this isn't... Well, maybe this is just a trend because it's new with these rules. You get the one transfer, no penalty. And, you know, players are gaining power back in, in the sport of college football, which is a good thing. It's a very good thing in my opinion. But this may become more of the norm. So recycling all that... It's okay as long as you can bring the same players back in. And look, if you don't want to be in a program, I don't want anyone forced to stay here for CU. Uh, but you have some numbers for players left over from last year, new players on the uh, on the roster. What were those numbers that you were uh, talking about? So the again, this is something that was handed out at the the spring scrimmage this last weekend. Uh, I have no idea the source of it, but it's got a CU Buffs logo on it, so I'm thinking it's coming from <laughs> the go. university. That's so a, that's a uh, deductive reasoning right there. That's right. That's, that's right. Call, uh, uh, otherwise, lawsuits will be pending. <laughs> okay. Uh, so this just br- kind of breaks down the returning players and then players lost this year. So starters returning. A total of 11. Mm. Six on offense, five on defense. And then the, the next category they list is others returning with significant game experience. There How do are, they define significant game so experience? So they put it in here uh, with uh, a majority of snaps. They played in a majority mm. of snaps okay, last that's, year. That's okay. I'll take that. Okay. Um, there are 22 Total, they don't break down offense versus defense on that one. So 22 total guys. So a total of 33 players returning with significant experience or starting experience. However, the Buffs lost 10 starters. Five offense, five defense. They also lost 14 guys with Jeez. significant experience. That is 24 players that were significant contributors last year. Now, some of that is graduation. Some of these guys like a Nate Landman, like a Carson Wells that are pursuing their NFL dreams. A lot of that, however, is not. These well, are guys Whether that it's graduation out. or not, whether did, you know, regardless, it's a lot of the talent that's leaving. And even though you said 33 players coming back with experience, look, you can have as much experience as you want on the job. If you work for a bad company, it's not going to mean as much as working for a good company. So I'm not a huge fan of experience. If you're losing games, getting killed, it's like you're bringing back a lot of the players who contributed to that. So the thing that you know is sort of lost in those numbers is a lot of those guys leaving were the production on the team last year. I mean, look at Jarek Broussard. You know, he wins Pac-12 Player of the Year two years ago. Has a questionable season this last year in terms of production, staying on the field, things like that. But he's out, and and uh, uh, who went to South Florida? Uh, was it a Shad Clayton? No, Shad Clayton ended up at Tulane. Oh, that, no, that's what I'm thinking of. Tulane, a Shad Clayton leaves for Tulane, and uh, you know one of those schools down there. And uh, there's a few down there, <laughs> but 
a lot of those players are leaving who who are pr- producing on the team. So it's going to be important this season to really have these replacements step up. And in the future, when you're losing these players to the transfer portal, you know that's okay as long as you're replacing them with equal talent. And and it it to me is even beyond the number of guys. And when you look at certain position groups, and it, it was like an exodus. And I think running back is one of the biggest ones at, at Saturday's scrimmage. There was one scholarship running back available to play. Now, some of that was because of some injuries. Some guys weren't out there, but they had two walk-ons out there getting a majority of the carries. One of the guys is actually one of them that really made an impact that I I, I saw. Now, let's see where he ends up. That's Charlie Offerdahl, number 44. He little guy, though. He's like 5'8", 175 pounds. So let's see. But he had some bursts. Was a guy that was nice to it's see It's going to be so field. hard learning all these new names. I mean, <laughs> it's so many new names on the roster. Uh, Offerdahl, was it? Was that, am I getting that right? Yeah. Offerdahl? I, I think so. Obviously, there's no announcing out all there. All for one and Offerdahl. Um, well, I mean, look, we're going to get into specific uh, battles and things like that. But that is a takeaway. Is there's not a position group on the field that won't be going through some kind of battles. I mean, everything from quarterback to maybe receiver is the most etched in position. I, right I now. think your your starters are probably etched in. We got um, R.J. Snead, the transfer from Baylor. Yep. Obviously, uh, Montana Lamonius Craig. Yep. And he was uh, Montana was probably the biggest standout. He was your number one guy out on the wide receiver group. Well, Daniel Aaron number one this year too. He is. Switched from fifteen. He looks to one. a lot smaller. You ever notice that with guys when they change numbers, <laughs> they, they look totally different on the field. Uh, Montana Lamonius Craig looked humongous. He looked like a tight end out there last year. He puts number one out there, and all of a sudden it makes him look three. Three inches shorter somehow. I don't really? know what it is. Have you gotten your glasses checked recently? Not in a while. Insurance uh, is getting a little expensive. Man, that these may days. be a you problem, Jared. Uh, and then Ch- I got Chase Penry here as the uh, third starter. Uh, but that seems to be the most locked in in terms of the battles. I mean, offensive line. There's going to be a lot of battles. Running back for sure. Quarterback. Let's talk about the quarterback position right now. Uh, it was not a. Uh, what, what, how should I say this? I didn't try and hide it last year. I sold my stock on Brendan Lewis, and I have not bought that stock back. I firmly believe that he's not the guy. I do not think that he's the starter of the future. And as Jared said, I mean, our goal here, and this is why I think a lot of people listen, is we don't play the fanboys. We don't play the the 1043 card or, you know, the even... As much as I love cubuffs.com, Neil Welk, who writes a lot of their material, he's got an office like right down the hallway from the coach. So you're not going to often get the hard-hitting truth. So that's what we try and bring on the show. And I know we want to support these players, but if CU has any chance of competing for the Pac-12 South this year, it's got to be JT Shrout. Now, we have a good source in the building. And I know sometimes this is frustrating. It's like, give your source away. Well, if we gave the source away, we wouldn't have a source anymore. So we can't give them away. But uh, actually, producer uh, producer Ryan, who's not here today, I actually slid over a seat into the producer's chair. Uh, he has this this connection for us in the in the building. And what this source said for us last year is in spring training, so about a year ago, that JT Shrout was by far the best player on the field last year. So when he went down with that knee injury, it was an immediate sigh, right? It's like, oh no. So I think in the, in terms of the quarterback battle, in my mind. There is no battle. It should be JT Shrout, no doubt about it. Do you agree, disagree, and what do you think about the quarterback battle? Well, and just to touch on your point there that he was the the leading guy by and large last year, you know, everyone out there is going, well, why did they 
keep this battle going all the way up to the regular season. Well, exactly what happened last year is why you do that. Yeah. And so you don't take away the confidence from a young guy like Brendan Lewis. You keep giving him those chances, those opportunities to prove himself, a guy that you thought had some high upside. Um, you know, I like to think I held out a little more optimism of, of Brendan Lewis's ability to grow. I, I believe I mean, he did get very better strongly that you know, young players develop. That's an 18, 19, 20-year-old kid. His body's developing. His mind is developing. He has the ability to get better. The biggest issue with Brendan Lewis from day one last year was his ability to process things quickly. I felt a lot last year the offense did not put him in a good position to succeed. Was that was a lot of the the failures on this offense due to Brendan Lewis? Yes. But these coaches did him no favors. A lot of deep dropbacks, a lot of multiple reads that he's looking at. When a guy is struggling to get through his progression and looking for open receivers, you simplify things. And I don't think this offense did that at all last year. One of my first takeaways, and I know we'll get into a little bit more specifics of the offense and what we're seeing in a new offense with a new offensive coordinator this year, mm -hmm. but one of the things that was so obvious to me, even in their seven-on-seven -seven drills, is the concerted effort to get the ball out of the the quarterback's hands quickly. A lot of quick outs, a little quick swing passes. Get the ball in your talented player's hands. Don't make your quarterback think so much. Pretty much across the board, every quarterback did very good with that, except one. Who's that one? Brandon Lewis, man. The kid mm -hmm. just, in seven-on-seven, seven, he ran the ball because he couldn't get rid of it. Well, you know what it is? I it, I think that, and you were at the game, I wasn't, but I obviously, obviously watched him play last year. Um, I think the problem is he's so in his own head, he doesn't want to make a mistake so bad. And I see this in every industry. Whenever you operate without without the freedom of being able to have fun and do what you do, you're gonna see. You're gonna seem like that, right? I mean, I grew up in radio. Started my started my career in radio. Now, obviously, I do a lot of podcasting, and I see people come into this industry, into the radio podcast industry, and those who just like to get behind the mic, talk it out, have some fun. They always start and progress better than those who are so afraid to make a mistake and so afraid to say one wrong thing, and you don't want to mess up. You want to get every stat right. So, I think that that's in general not a good way to approach anything, and. That's a head game. You can't talk anybody really out of that. That's his own issue, and he had it last year. He's going to have it going forward. You, that, that, that's a trait you cannot have and be a successful quarterback. So Yeah, throughout the entire day, I... I just I I don't want to overreact. This is a spring practice, a scrimmage. But that's that, where it's setting it up for you to look good. It's on the tee. You're playing tee ball. Everything is supposed to be better in spring in, in the spring game. I saw nothing that changes how I felt about Brandon Lewis coming away from the season. Um, now JT Shroud did not play in the scrimmage. He did do individual drills. He did play a little bit in the seven on seven. Uh, Kids got some zip on the ball. That's that's one thing I will say. Um, obviously, they were kind of keeping him in a controlled scenario, uncontrolled situation. So we didn't get much of a chance to see him. But I think it is telling. They flipped to the seven on seven, and who was the first quarterback that went out on the field? It was J.T. Shroud. He okay. was the one that that lined up first with the ones, and then and then okay. Brendan Lewis came after that. They probably won't come out publicly and say it. But I, I think in their minds, it's just a matter of getting JT healthy. Once he's 100% back, this offense is his. Well, it's obvious. That should be obvious. And if you disagree, let us know. It's uh, We are on Twitter at, uh, at Buffs Podcast. So let us know there if you disagree, if you think it should be Brandon Lewis, anyone else on the team. But to me, it's the clear, it's the clear answer that it should be JT Shroud. And I'll go as far as to say this, Jared. 
if JT Shrout is the starter next year, I legitimately think CU can compete at the top of the Pac-12 South. I don't, I'm not going to call them favorites. Obviously, I think the favorites should be USC, followed closely by Utah in the South. But I really believe that CU, their ceiling could be competing with those teams, maybe second, third in the in the in the South. If he's not the starter and it's Brennan Lewis, we I think the the best we could do is about fourth in the, in the Pac-12 South. So the, I think it's a big, big change and a big difference there. All right, well, let's get off the quarterback. I don't mean to harp. I don't mean to go over the top with this. That's truly how I feel. I, I think there's a big, big gap there. Now, you mentioned Mike Sanford, new offensive coordinator. If you are going to have all these changes, especially on offense, what a better time to bring in a new coordinator. So Mike Sanford kind of working things into the offense with these with, with a lot of these new players and um, what did you think about the offense in general? Uh, I mean, from what you could take away. Yeah, from the let's game. let's let's be honest. And by it, the way, I keep saying spring game. It was just a practice. It's, it's a spring yeah, it's game a, in for a while. A practice in scrimmage. Uh, you know, uh, I I I tried. I I went into the day saying I'm not going to overreact to anything I see here. It's it's a it's a scrimmage, guys. Certain things. I think a lot of times as a fan, you're watching certain things. You don't know maybe what the coaches are preaching to these guys. Maybe they're telling them specifically to do certain things, even though it may put them in a bad position. They want to see how a player reacts in certain situations. Um, but the the one obvious thing, ev- almost every single play, they lined up with two tight ends. Almost every mm. single play. And it was typically not one on either side of the line. You had a guy on the line of scrimmage and then almost like an H-back, for those who are familiar with that type of offense. But more of that you know, big personnel. And I'll be honest, I don't know how I feel about that. I think it's a very deep tight end group, so I get it. That makes sense. But the direction that the NCAA is going, and the Pac-12 particularly, this feels like an offense that really struggled to produce last year. I, I don't know if this is the approach to make an offense start to explode no, by, by bringing in bigger guys. Now, again, deep group. I think there is some room for optimism with what you're going to see in some of these young tight ends, guys like Eric Olson, like Caleb Fourier. But I just – that was that – was, very telling to me. You did not see that almost at all no, over the I, last few years. I disagree with your concern. I think it's a great thing. All right. First of all, what did we see in the NBA? Golden State, a couple years ago, started launching three-pointers, and every other owner, coach, GM across the league goes, oh, that's the future of basketball. Let's do that. The only problem was they didn't have the roster to do that. So now you got all these teams chucking three-pointers, and every team in the NBA wasn't built to do that, right? I think playing to your strengths is the best thing you can do. And on the other side, when everyone in the league is going one way, I feel like if you have the personnel to to do so, going the other way could be a great thing. Think about it. In the Pac-12, where it's primarily a passing, spread it out league, how great would it be if CU could efficiently run this kind of an offense and throw a wrinkle in all these team schedules every time they play them? And on top of that, we talked about the lack of depth for this team. I mean, Colorado has one center right now on the depth chart, according to OurLads.com. And uh, tight end, they've got five players right now on the roster. And I look five deep, Matt Lynch being the fifth guy, they're deep at tight end. Brady Russell, Caleb Foria, Austin Smith, who's a retro freshman, Eric Olson, retro freshman, both highly touted. And uh, like I said, Matt Lynch, you got him, play him. So I love this approach. I like how they're working on it. And if they can execute, which is obviously the key, 
I think this is going to be a good thing for the Buffs. And time will tell how these rosters hold up and the you know the ones and the twos. And what, what I think that's great going to these scrimmages and these spring practices and stuff is there's no sound around you. There's not many people in the stadium. You can hear what the coaches <laughs> are saying that. out there. So you're hearing Carl Durrell call out ones. Give me the ones. Twos. Give me twos. So you get a chance to see who are their ones coming onto the field. And I think it's worth noting that you you just brought up Austin Smith, who's number 82 for the bus, tight end. He was the with the ones. It, mm. it was it was him and it was uh, Brady Russell that went out there with the first team. So guy that prior to prior to Saturday didn't know who the heck he was. Never <laughs> that name did not come up for me. There's guys like Eric Olson, Caleb Forey, some of these bigger recruits. So for him to be the guy that was on the field, we'll see if that sticks all the way through this this offseason into the season, but a guy that will be worth watching going into next year. That's interesting. I like that. All right, so anything else to add to the offense before we get to the other side of the football? Uh, offensive line is going to be kind of an interesting shuffle. You mentioned uh, lack of centers. Uh, Noah Fenske was the guy that was getting the the snaps with the first team, but they had five or six different guys snapping the ball. So I think they're going to be trying out a lot of different guys at the center position. And for those who didn't catch that, Jared didn't say no offense. He said the center's name, Noah Fenske. Which is uh, and you know nothing against the kid. I actually am really rooting for him, but you know, knowing you and the show that we're gonna do, I, I don't know if I want to see this kid as a starter because this <laughs> seems like a never-ending joke. That's just gonna be a weekly. Uh, it's gonna get funnier and funnier every single week. All right, let's get to the defense because even though there's you know enough to pay attention to on the offensive side of the ball, there are some key players that the Buffs are gonna have to replace on defense. We're talking Nate Landman, Carson Wells, Christian Gonzalez, Mike Perry, Mikai Blackman. <laughs> I mean, these are five of their top producers all gone from last year. So we brought up the offense, but Jared, this defense is gonna have to replace a lot. Are you concerned? Very concerned. I think when you look at the back end of this defense, it's going to be a whole lot of new faces. Um, I think we saw the concern last year when Nate Landman went down at the end of the year with what that linebacker group looked like. Even though I think they have some solid quality players there, no matter what, you're going to have a major drop-off from a guy like Nate Landman. And I think that's going to be a really tough role to fill, not only in the talent and what he brought on the field, but the leadership he had brought on that team. And a guy like Robert Barnes, who who was a transfer from Oklahoma going into last year, he seems to really have stepped into that leadership role. Uh, we'll see. We'll see what that, that linebacker group looks like. But more than anything, it's it's those DBs, man. And the corners particularly yeah. losing their top two guys, guys that have been starters for multiple years. You know, you're getting guys on the field that, frankly, have almost never spent any time on the field. Well, and that's why I wonder if the defense kind of takes the the approach of using your personnel because I think Isaiah Lewis, you know, probably going to be one of the leaders there in the uh, in the secondary. Uh, Trevor Woods was he starting at free safety? They've got him here as the starter. what number was he? Forty three. Yeah, so it was forty three, and then forty one. Anthony Lyle, I saw on the field a lot. Uh, so that's a number. Why that... don't I have forty one on this? I shouldn't use ourlads.com. Well, and They're again, pretty good number changes, things like that happen. So who's forty one on your on your forty one is Anthony Lyle. And again, no, this is what there. was given out. I, everything well, I saw be on accurate. here was accurate with numbers. Yeah, um, they gave that out. So I think the, the the biggest name that stood out to me is the the 
the two starting corners for the Buffs with the ones coming out there was uh, Nico Reed, number six. Not a surprise. That's a guy that was was playing in their nickel corner spot last year. He was a transfer a couple of years ago. That one doesn't surprise me. The one that does surprise me, I had to look up who he was. Kalen Moore, number zero, was double the guy. Double zeros, right? Or is it just, just zero? Just single zero. Okay. <laughs> double zero should not be allowed. Can I go out there with zero one? You don't like no, double zero? No, I'm number one or I'm not, okay? You can't be double I zero. I like the double zeros. In fact, zero in itself is questionable. It's questionable to know, even man. be allowed. Gilbert Arenas was, he was great. Well, you know why he chose... Zero, right? No. It's because when he uh, was meeting with a scout coming out of high school or college or whatever he did to go to the NBA, he asked, what What are my chances to make it in the NBA? Zero. That was the response he <laughs> I got. I like that. So he went with zero. That's very cool. But anyway, sorry, Caleb so, Moore. Caleb Moore, uh, and again, it's tough. There, I, I, I can't say the guys made a ton of plays. I, I always tend to think that when you set up a seven-on-seven seven or any sort of thing like that, you're kind of catering towards getting the But he's the listed here on mine as a starter as well. Yes. Now, let me put it this way. When you used to play the video game NCAA, right? NCAA what do you football. Mean, used to play. <laughs> Wait, by the way, they're coming up with a new one next year. We're one year away from a brand new video game. A college football game. That's going to be great. Of, but, co- of course, they stop the game when the buffs were down, and they bring it up when the, bu- <laughs> the buffs are down. Dang it. But uh, when you were running a team in that, what did you do if you had players who were arguably the same? You always started the freshman because he would develop by the time he's a junior, senior. Maybe that's what they're doing. They're taking the old NCAA approach and starting the youngster here so we can develop. And in today's NCAA with the transfer portal and everything like that, I don't think that's a bad approach. These yeah. guys that you want to make sure you're keeping around, you're showing that, hey, we're giving you a fair chance to win a starting job. This is the time to do it in the spring. Get this guy out there going against your top offensive players and see how he performs. And I can't say that anyone really stood out from that defensive back group, at least to me, but I also didn't see anything that was just glaring like, oh my God, this guy doesn't belong on the field. Uh, the, the part of the defense that I'm actually kind of excited about uh, has got to be defensive line. We're talking Jalen Sammy, Naeem Rodman, Terrence Lang, even Guy Thomas getting some time there. I mean, I, Is this I'm the excited. only position group, def- at least defensively, that all the starters are returning? And, yeah, I, and I might I'm be wrong sure. that all the starters, but all guys that were getting significant right, right. time last year are returning. That's big. I think this is going to be the strength of this Buffs defense. And I kind of want to see some of these guys, the Jalen Sammys, the Naeem Rodman, Take that next step. Those guys have been kind of solid, stout guys in the middle, but not necessarily the playmakers that you saw in a guy like Mustafa Johnson over the last couple of years. So I want to see, can one of those guys in the interior line take that step? Those guys are in their third year now with the program. Mm-hmm. That That's typically when you see some of those big boys really start to turn it on. All right, so overall, how much of an issue will depth be this year? Because spring ball, we're going through all these position battles. It's easy to get kind of lost in the second string, third string. Well, he's playing here. That's a battle here. But let's face it. Once things are all cemented in, there's the starters, and then there's the backups, and those are going to help us win, and those who may not. So how much of an issue this season is depth going to be based on what you've seen so far and what you think of these uh, new players? As we sit here, it's April 12th. Okay, As we sit here now, uh, I will tell you that is going to be huge. It, it is going to be the difference in the buff season. When I look across the board at the guys that are slated to be starters, I feel like they're still pretty solid. I think there's a little bit of a drop-off in some positions from what we saw last year, but overall, you feel pretty good about it. Beyond, behind that, it's a bunch of guys that have no experience. Some of them I've never heard of. Guys that were not necessarily these highly touted recruits. So 
if the buffs are going to be successful this year, it will be because these no-name, so to speak, guys, I don't mean to be disrespectful to anyone, but these no-names out there really come through and step up in a big way. Guy, guys like what we saw last year with uh, um, Isaiah Lewis, guy that kind of came out of nowhere. He was not anyone who was projected to really be a, con, con, a significant contributor, but proved time and time again he needed to be on the field. That's what the buffs need is these guys that are not really highly touted have got to take that step and prove it because right now, Tyler, I am really, really concerned about that. Yeah, I am too. I think that it's going to be, and, and I, I want to be very careful here. Right now, I'm concerned. Uh, just because these players don't have experience, I'm going to go back to what I said. To me, I think experience is overrated. This is the era of college football where these, we got a lot of kids coming in from high school making impacts immediately, a lot of JUCO transfers making impacts immediately. I'm not, a, I'm not as into this whole experience thing. So I think that the lack of experience isn't the reason that, I have reservations right now. It's more about, you know, there's not that many high-profile players. I know RJ Snead on offense is, is going to be a big deal, but there's not that many guys coming in who were highly touted. But I'm also excited because that could mean chip on the shoulder. That could mean overlooking certain players. How often have guys come into this program and surprised us out of nowhere once they get on real-time, you know, situations? So... I think I have a little bit more optimism than you, but I think it, it is going to be an issue, at least right now, compared to other teams in the Pac-12 South. Let, let, let's be honest here. The Pac-12 South, well, the Pac-12 in general, but the South, it's getting better. Okay, USC clearly getting better. Utah, the consistency. Uh, Arizona State may be on the way down. Arizona has nowhere to go but up. And I, so, so, you know, I think that CU has to keep something going here. We've got nothing but hope, or we've got nothing to, to do but hope. Right for these young guys to step up and, and produce when they have a chance, but I think right now depth probably would be uh, one of those concerns. Good show today, man. It was it was good to knock the rust off getting here in the off season. Um, it's good to see you. Yeah, it's good to be back in Boulder too. You know, that's uh, you and I both live in the the, the South Metro area, mm -hmm. so it's not exactly on our daily route. So uh, just good to be back up in Boulder and uh, just experience it. The weather was great. The, the the football was fun to watch, and I I have to say I am excited for what we see this off season with so much change. A lot of change, man. Now let me spring one on you here. Uh, well, I'll answer first, and you can answer. If the Buffs fail to make a bowl, okay, which means get to get to five hundred, uh, Carl Durrell, should he be there the season after? Should he be there next year? And I will answer and I will say, well, it depends on how we lose, okay? If there's a couple overtime losses and five and seven, you compete with USC and Utah, that's okay. But in general, five wins, I don't think it's gonna be good enough. I think right now he's operating kind of on a hotter seat in the Pac twelve. And uh, I am skeptical after what I saw last year. And I don't love the demeanor. don't love what I heard in terms of the excuses from players. Uh, that seemed to be the go-to last year from Durrell was when things were going well, hey, you know, this coaching staff's doing well, we're doing well. When things are going bad, hey, these players need to step up, step up and take responsibility. So I think he is operating on a hot seat right now. And I think he's got to at least win six games. What do you think? So I'm going to answer this in two ways. Should and will. Should he be back if they don't make a bowl? No. In my mind... If this team does not progress forward, it's a clear and obvious sign that they're going to remain stagnant. They're going to be this middling team until you make that change. And we talked about it a lot at length last year that that decision should have been considered last year because mm -hmm. I, I felt like the signs were there. It was obvious the direction this program was moving. That being said, 
this is a tough schedule, okay? This is not an easy schedule for the Buffs. They start against TCU, which is is not an easy one and a non non Hey, new coach. Game. Sure. New coach himself. Sure. Um, so if this is a team that I feel like you see a progression through the year, I, 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 can, I can get on board with giving him another chance. Now, to answer it, will he be here? I will say with 100% certainty, Carl Durrell will be the coach of the 2023 wow, Buffaloes. that's hot. This that's team, hot. this, uh, I wanted to say front office. I've been talking a lot of pro sports lately. <laughs> well. But but this program is not ready to make that change. There's been too much of that over the last few years. They they went to Carl Durrell because of the stability, and, and I just don't think Rick George is ready to pull the plug. I think he is – I think he is – a scared AD right now. I think he's afraid of what the alternative is. The way college football is going, I mean, maybe there will be a front office here soon. Maybe front offices are going to be a thing. Let's be honest. It's really what it is. Anyways, <laughs> I mean, right? right? <laughs> uh, before we get out of here, speaking of changes in college football, did you see Dabo Sweeney? No, what happened? He said that uh, he's taken my approach. The college football needs to lop off half the teams and create another division. Um, yeah, he, he said he's sick of the way things are going, sick of NIL, thinks there's too many teams. Thinks that that uh, Miss Southern Mississippi and Alabama have such different issues, so uh, he's saying that what I've been saying for a while: cut the sport in half, take the top sixty teams, the Power Five, and make a different trophy for the non-Power Five. I agree. Five. I do. I think one hundred and thirty plus teams, whatever it is, is too much to ever get any sort of actual parity within a within a conf or w- w- within the NCAA. Yeah, I'm on Dabo's side though. You got to split things up, but. Look, CU's in the Pac-12. They're one of the teams who, you go undefeated, you got a shot. And hey, they're undefeated right now, right? As far as I'm concerned, 0-0 means undefeated. Jared, thanks for stopping by, man. We'll talk to you soon. All right, uh, everyone, thanks for coming in this this uh, off-season show. It's always tough, the off-season. Not a lot you know, of optimism at the end of last year, but hey, lot, a lot of optimism moving forward. New players coming in, new quarterback, new offensive coordinator, and hopefully we brought you up to date on uh, what's going on with CU. So uh, good luck, Buffs, next couple of months, next couple of weeks. Hope they do the right things. And we'll probably talk to you a month, two months down the road or so. Again, to give us a follow on Twitter, at Buffs Podcast. We'll uh, keep you up to date there. So go Buffs. We'll talk to you next time on the Buffs Nation Podcast.